0: On today's show, oh no, this wasn't supposed to happen. People are trading in their hybrids for SUVs. Fiat is catching up to many, and automotive suppliers venture into areas where we have never seen them before. All that and more coming right up on AutoLine Daily. This is Autoline Daily for April 22nd of 2015. Edmunds reports that 22% of people who traded in their hybrids and EVs this year swapped them for an SUV. Three years ago when gasoline prices were closer to $4 a gallon nationwide, that number was only 12%. Overall, only 45% of hybrid and EV owners adopted an alternative fuel vehicle during a trade in this year. It's the first time that number has dropped below 50%. Edmonds blames it on cheap gasoline prices, but that doesn't tell the whole story. When people are in the market for a new car, they love getting something new and different. Yeah, some people will buy the same kind of car they already had, but most of them want to try something different. I know it's anecdotal, but I know a guy who owned and loved a Chevy Volt said it was the best car he ever owned. But when it came time to replace it, he bought a Jeep Grand Cherokee. Even though the green car segment is slowing in the United States, another study expects plug-ins and EV sales to grow globally. According to Frost & Sullivan, EV sales will top 466,000 cars this year. Last year, that number was just around 300,000 all around the globe. North America will remain the largest market with 36% of the share followed by Europe and China. Fiat is taking a page out of MINI's strategy in the U.S. market and is offering several versions of one nameplate. It's the Cooper in MINI's case and the 500 with Fiat. So is the Italian automaker making a dent in MINI sales? Looks like that is the case. Last year, MINI sold just over 56,000 vehicles in the U.S., a drop of nearly 16%. Fiat, meanwhile, was up 7% with sales topping 46,000. Mini has turned it around so far this year. Sales are up nearly 50% thanks to the new four-door hardtop and a big jump in two-door hardtop sales. Fiat sales did slip 3% in the first quarter of the year, but take a look. It's only 1,700 units behind Mini. So with the all-new 500X about to go on sale, wouldn't surprise us to see Fiat Pass Mini by the end of the year. We'll keep you posted and we'll be back right after this. Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Borg Warner, Feel Good About Driving, Bridgestone Tires, Your Journey, Our Passion, and by Dow Automotive Systems, Breakthrough Technologies for Lightweight Vehicles. While sales of the Mercedes R-Class were never all that great in the US, and it's been out of the market for a couple of years, clearly Mercedes did not want to give up on the vehicle and sees a need for it in its lineup. As we reported earlier this year, Mercedes signed a contract with AM General to make the R-Class at its facility in Mishawaka, Indiana, which used to make the Hummer H1. And now we can report that examples have started rolling down the assembly line. This move allowed Mercedes to free up space at its Alabama plant for its third best-selling vehicle in the U.S., the recently refreshed GLE, formerly known as the M-Class. All this week, automotive engineers are meeting in Detroit for the annual SAE convention. The Society of Automotive Engineers holds all kinds of seminars and lectures, so Automakers and suppliers can share notes and get up to speed with the latest technological developments in the industry. But it's fascinating to watch how traditional suppliers of parts and components are venturing into very different areas of business. Continental, for example, formed a new business entity called Intelligent Transportation Systems based in Silicon Valley that will use cloud-based data to create mobility systems and services. That data will come from cars and be fed to them and will interact with transportation infrastructure. Helmut Machi, a board member with Continental, told a group of reporters last night, and I quote, as we go from 4G to 5G, there will be more bandwidth providing even more services than we see now. It's going to be fascinating to track where they go with that. Hey, coming up next, you said it. For the people at Dow, Racing is a sport and a science. We enjoy one and learn from the other. But like most competitive people, we like winning at both. This is the human element at work, Dow. And now it's time for some of your feedback. Mr. Rebus 777 says, I thought a fuel cell made the hydrogen. Why are they talking about making hydrogen out of garbage? Well, no, Mr. Rebus. Fuel cells run on hydrogen. They don't make it. You literally have to stop at a station and fill the tank full of hydrogen. And the reason they're talking about making hydrogen out of garbage is that right now, most hydrogen is made from natural gas. And the whole reason for going to hydrogen fuel cells is to reduce the carbon footprint of cars. So if you make it out of garbage instead of natural gas, you significantly reduce your carbon footprint. Edison 103 says... Q was the number one reason I did not buy the ATS when it was released, and it's too bad because I absolutely love driving that car. I'm a 30-year-old who's completely in tune with the latest tech, and I hated using Q. The ATS was the first American car I ever considered buying, too. Q was a mistake. I bought an Acura instead. Brother Idison, I am with you. I don't like Q either. I hate having to repeatedly hit the arrow on the screen to change channels. I hate accidentally turning up the volume when I really want to go from AM to FM. I hate how hard it is to control the volume with a slide bar instead of a knob. For most frequently used functions, touch screens stink. It's just too easy to hit the wrong spot on the screen when you're driving down the road. Robert Morrison says, I remember growing up in Michigan in the 70s and early 80s. If I would have said to someone that someday GM will file for bankruptcy and would fall to the fourth place in the auto market, people would have called me crazy, and that would have never happened. So what happened? John, please help me understand. Well, I'll try. Two things, Robert. First, the rest of the world grew up. Toyota and Volkswagen have emerged as formidable competitors, but something went terribly wrong at General Motors. It went from being a bleeding edge innovator in design engineering and manufacturing to becoming a bumbling, inefficient producer of very mediocre products. And that's because the culture broke down. And you can only blame that on management. And you know, it's funny that you bring this up because I'm doing research on this right now. So my theory is that the problem started in the late 1950s which is when the DuPonts were kicked off the GM Board of Directors and the revered Alfred Sloan retired as chairman. I have a hunch that is when GM stopped looking for long-term financial results and started focusing on quarterly earnings instead. I believe that cutting costs to achieve short-term financial gains is what started eroding a corporate culture that built the most magnificent industrial machine the world had ever seen. I'm still at the very beginning of this research, but that is where it's taken me so far. And if any of you have ideas about this or on any other topics, we always welcome your comments and letters. And before we go, don't forget, Sandy Monroe will be on Autoline After Hours tomorrow. His company recently did a complete teardown of the BMW i3, and his findings are so complete, BMW actually thought someone leaked him internal information. So join me and Gary Vasilash for some of the best insider insights into this business. Anyway, that does wrap up today's show. Thank you for watching.